Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and as we do every single Tuesday, we're going to be breaking down the analytics of the Iowa win over Colorado State. Yesterday, we had LaShawn Daniels, former Iowa running back on the show, to talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes win over Colorado State, giving kind of the instant analysis, and they were breaking down the analytics. And I just want to take a second to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. And remember, the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Hawkeyes. That's right. You can get us every single place you get podcasts and on YouTube as well. That's how amazing we are doing it. We're doing it every single day for free for you. And just a reminder, rockauto.com is your home for all of your auto and body part needs. Rockauto.com has amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com right now and tell them Locked On sent you. And let's get into, into it with today's show. Again, we're talking about analytics, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the Iowa Hawkeyes ranking. They are staying still at number five in the AP poll. I want to tell you about why that is not that big of a deal and why they deserve to actually be the number five team, all things considered, right now. So let's get into it, kicking it off with that. When you look at the AP poll, the first thing I want to say is that the AP poll ultimately doesn't matter. All right, we know that. The college football playoff ranking is the only thing that actually matters because that's actually what determines where the team is going, right? That's what determines whether or not the Iowa Hawkeyes are playing in a big-time bowl or playing in some kind of, you know, a red box bowl or whatever it might be, right? However, this does give you an idea of where the team is heading, what the national perception is around this team because the college football playoff is not about analytics. It is about the eye test. And... These are humans too, right? They are making decisions that are biased. Regardless of what they want to do, there is always innate bias into that. So it's good to get an understanding of where Iowa is. So in the most recent AP poll, Alabama checks in at number one, Georgia number two, Oregon number three, Penn State jumps Iowa to number four, Iowa at number five. We have Oklahoma at six, Cincinnati at seven, Arkansas at eight, Notre Dame at nine, at 10 is Florida. Now I had a couple of people ask, does Iowa really deserve to be at number five? My question to you is, who deserves to be ahead of them? Yes, the Iowa State win doesn't look as good because Iowa State just lost to Baylor. Iowa State traditionally doesn't look very good in September, though. They pick it up in October, November. That's what they did last year. That's what they've done in the past under Matt Campbell. I don't know what it is, but they've struggled early on. Indiana doesn't look as good. They were due for a regression. Indiana is still a solid football team. They've had a tough slate of games, though. And yes, I know they barely beat Western Kentucky. Nevertheless, Indiana is not a bad football team. And yes, it did help that both these teams are ranked in the top 25 when Iowa played them. However, they are two Power 5 schools, good Power 5 schools. They were very good last year and returned a lot of that talent. So Iowa can only play the schedule they're given. Now, yes, it doesn't look as good because they only beat Colorado State by 10 points. Iowa is not a team that typically blows out some of those lesser-known teams. And when you look at that top 10 list, Oklahoma has struggled against a lot of small teams. Cincinnati has played well, but they, they, you know, they basically just beat Indiana by about the same, actually a less impressive win than Iowa, in fact. Notre Dame definitely does not deserve to be in the top 10. I think they're actually garbage, despite their win over Wisconsin. Arkansas, you can make a case for Arkansas being ahead of Iowa. Florida, you can make a case for Florida being over Iowa. 
That is okay. However, Iowa still deserves to be in the top 10, and I still think they deserve to be number five at this point. What this does do, though, is it sets us up for a really fun matchup, potentially, as long as Iowa takes care of business this week against Maryland. It sets up a very fun matchup, Iowa versus Penn State in two weeks. And I'm pretty excited for that. Should be a ton of fun. I also want to let everyone know that Jack Campbell was named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Jack Campbell, we know, had a phenomenal game. Uh, I believe is 18 tackles, which is just absolutely absurd, which is also something we're going to be talking about here in a few moments because I do want to make sure we're giving the total credit to Jack Campbell. Um, he did not only a great job of stopping the football once he got his hands on it, but also in pass coverage as well with two pass breakups. Now, though, let's turn our attention into the analytics and starting with the offense because when you look at this game, Iowa versus Colorado State, a lot of people want to blame Spencer Petras. It's the easy thing to do these days is to blame Spencer Petras. I get it. I sometimes watch him whenever he makes a mistake. I think, gosh darn it, what if we had a better quarterback? But we have Spencer Petras. And honestly, when you look at what's happening to the north of us in Wisconsin, or heck, even Minnesota with Tanner Morgan, you got to be a little bit happier now that you have a Spencer Petras. And honestly, to this point in this season, Spencer Petras has not been the problem. Spencer Petras has actually been doing pretty well, especially considering what Iowa's asking of him. And honestly, when you look at his big-time throws and the plays he made this past game against Colorado State, I was incredibly impressed with his accuracy and his ball placement. Accuracy and ball placement are different things, all right? Ball placement is, are you putting it in a spot where only the receiver can get it? The best spot for the wide receiver. Accurate is, can the guy catch the ball, in my opinion? Now, some people have differing you know, opinions of what those definitions are, but accuracy-wise, he's getting the ball to those guys to make a play, and ball placement-wise, he is putting it in the right spot. Charlie Jones, probably if he wasn't getting held and had his one arm taken away from him, probably could have caught that football. Keegan Johnson had two phenomenal catches because of the ball placement specifically. Nico Regani had to make some adjustments there. But overall, I mean, that was a pretty well-thrown ball. Nico turned one way, the ball is thrown the other side. Now, that is an issue on Spencer, but it was still a ball that was accurate, maybe not the best placement. And then Sam Laporta hitting that open throw. We've seen that in the past. Not to hate on Nate Stanley, because I do think Nate Stanley was a great quarterback for Iowa. But we do, and we have seen in the past, where there are wide open guys, and Nate Stanley would just miss them. Now, to be fair, Spencer has also done that with shorter throws, and he still continues to do that. I think he skipped two balls in the dirt against Colorado State. So there's still a lot of improvement to be made. But Spencer Petras is taking the necessary jumps that we would hope for from a quarterback. Now, what needs to happen is this offensive line needs to get it together because the offensive line is right now the downfall of this team, both pass blocking and run blocking. And yes, they are still kind of figuring out what that offensive line rotation looks like. But I'm here to tell you, based on the numbers, they're kind of figuring it out. The problem is it just hasn't worked that well. Now, Colorado State especially in the running game, Colorado State loaded the box and they dared Iowa to throw the ball. That is going to be the game plan going forward. Teams are going to want Spencer Petras to try to beat them. They know what Iowa wants to do is to run the ball down their throat every single play. They're going to stop the run and make Spencer Petras throw. Expect that to be the case in these upcoming games as well. Spencer made those throws. The line, though, needs to be able to create opportunities for Tyler Goodson. As we talked about with LeSean Daniels, Tyler Goodson had some issues. Once he kept getting hit in the backfield, he started to get a little fancy, started to dance a little bit, wasn't hitting the hole as hard. Now, that's not a knock on Tyler. It happens. You get a little jittery when you want to make a play for your team when you're not getting an opportunity to do so, especially with the guy who's as agile and as quick as Tyler Goodson. The offensive line has been the issue to this point. 
Now, there's a lot of room for hope. We have seen this story play out. I believe it's 2019. We had two games that were absolutely brutal. Michigan and Penn State, they just laid into our interior. We had some injuries, had some issues on the tackle spot, but they were just laying into our interior. And we get now Maryland followed by Penn State, two teams that have shown that they can rush the passer pretty well so far. Can Iowa figure it out now? If they can't, we could be in for a long day. That being said, I know people are upset about Brian Ferentz's play calling, but I actually thought Brian did a pretty good job of mixing some things up, and we've seen his creative play calling allow and take some pressure off of Iowa's offensive line with the end arounds, the edge type of stuff, uh, the bubble screens. I mean, those are things to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly and to get the ball into your playmakers and also reduce the liability of your offensive lineman, which has been an issue to this point. So again, that is going to be something I'm watching for. We're going to talk more about that offensive line, the snap count, and how well they graded out and didn't grade out. And believe me, some of these numbers are pretty gruesome. I want to I, I, just be ready for it. It can be a little bit gnarly looking at some of these pass blocking numbers. And again, that's why they need to improve it. Colorado State, again, did a really good job along their defensive line, and they have had a pretty good pass rush to this point. But the offensive line needs to pick it up. Be all college football fanatics. Have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I personally love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players, the Power Five, as well as the mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of our users. All of our listeners, I guess you should say, that go to Price Picks now can actually use our promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, and you'll receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. It's free money and an awesome opportunity to make some more money by going to PricePicks.com. The best part is not only can you pick college ball players and their props, you can combine different sports. You can combine multiple players, hit the over, hit the under on their projections, and win up to 10 times the amount on any entry. It's just you versus the projected number. Price Picks is an award-winning app in both the App Store and Google Play, but you can also go to prizepicks.com as well. So get it on your App Store or on the website as well. Entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code Locked On, or go to your App Store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so why don't you save some money and get the parts you need and go to rockauto.com today. I personally saved $50 and got two engine air filters, and it also saved me legitimately 25 minutes of my time and they deliver directly to my door i love rockauto.com so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right y'all let's get back into it talking about this offensive line i know that's been a big issue a big concern for me as we head into this Big Ten matchup against Maryland. And I want to thank you again for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every single day. We are still, again, going to talk about this offensive line, and we're going to get to the defense here in a little bit. But I just want to take a second to thank you for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your daily free podcast and YouTube channel your first listen every single day. So let's get into it. The offensive line. When we break down these snap counts, it looks like to me Iowa is beginning 
to show kind of what their alignment is going to look like or what the rotation is going to look like nevertheless. So when you look at snap counts, Mason Richmond, 56 snaps. Tyler Linderbaum, 56 snaps. Cody Ince, 52 snaps. Kyler shot 27 snaps. That's an increase over last week of 19. He's still getting back into it. Nick DeYoung, 58 snaps. Or sorry, not, excuse me, not 58 snaps. He had a 58 grade, which is not exactly ideal. Connor Colby in his first start, 33 snaps. Jack Plum even got 16 snaps and actually didn't do too bad. And that was a, a very con, uh, concerted choice there to make Jack or get Jack Plum in the game. I have personally talked a lot about how much I haven't thought Jack Plum played well in this game. He was kind of the only person doing a lot from the tackle spot. He actually graded out pretty well and had a couple good snaps. I don't think that means Jack Plum is going to be taking over the starting position anytime soon, but that was interesting development. So to me, the way it looks like, and again, it's important to note that Justin Britt was out of the game. To me, it's important to note, though, I think Kyler's shot is still getting healthy, but I expect him to get the lion's share of snaps this upcoming week. Mason Richmond is clearly entrenched at that left tackle spot. They're going to ride or die with him, I think, at this point. They know what they're getting. They know he's a younger guy, and they know there could be some growing pains, but those growing pains are things you have to work through in order to have a Tristan Wirfs or an Alaric Jackson. That's how good a Mason Richmond could be. Tyler Linderbaum, he even struggled in this game. And that's why I think there is definitely some growth, but there's also some areas where I'm not too worried about. It was just overall a collectively bad performance from our offensive line. For example, Tyler Linderbaum in pass blocking had a 33.4 grade. Mason Richmond, 32.2. A reminder, grading scales, 50 is just average, which still isn't that good. Above 65 to 70 is pretty solid. Below 50, bad. And when you get to the 30s, terrible. Connor Colby, 18.4. Now, I'm not here to rag on these guys. Connor Colby has been a breath of fresh air, a true freshman. This is not an easy spot to start in, and he has done pretty well to this point. But he struggled in his first start, especially against a defensive line that put a lot of pressure and played a lot of smash mouth football. That might be one of the better defensive lines Iowa faces this entire year. But it's still not acceptable for Iowa to struggle that much. Now, on the flip side, Cody Ince in pass blocking had a pretty solid day, a 70.2. Jack Plum, 76.5, and Kyler shot 82.8. That's why it's important to be able to get Kyler shot in there. The rotation to me is really starting to look like they have four spots figured out. Mason Richmond, Cody Ince, Kyler shot, Tyler Linderbaum. That right tackle spot, to me, is really the one that's up for grabs. You have Nick DeYoung, who's getting most of the snaps. You have Connor Colby, who has slid inside to play that guard spot, who's getting some snaps as well. And then you have Jack Plum, who is playing a little bit of that right tackle spot trying to get some snaps too. Whoever wins that battle will be the question of the day, especially after this game against Maryland. We're going to get a pretty good understanding, especially with Kyler Schott getting more snaps. They might slide Connor Colby back out there where he has actually been listed as number two on the depth chart. It's also worth noting if Justin Britt returns, he's also going to kind of eat into some of those snaps. But I really think at this point, after two games of getting progressively more snaps, Kyler Schott's going to get the lion's share and probably get the start at that guard spot. And we might see Connor Colby rotate a little bit in that right tackle spot, especially if Nick DeYoung struggles or if Jack Plum struggles in their limited time. This unit allowed nine pressures and three sacks. Three those three sacks were those three sacks were brutal. It was clear communication issues. I mean, look at the Tyler Linderbaum sack. He barely even touched the guy. Tyler Goodson couldn't get around to the guy either. And excuse me, I believe it's yeah, I think three sorry, yeah, three sacks. Tyler Goodson. Looked like he wasn't aware he should go over to that guy until the guy hit Spencer Petrus. And Nick DeYoung allowed a sack as well. 
Again, this offensive line is coming to fruition. That rotation, it's still not there yet. Run blocking, we also struggled in. Only Tyler Linderbaum and Jack Plum graded above a 57 in this game. So when you want to blame someone, it's the offensive line for right now. They have really struggled. And if they can't get it together, we're in for a long season. Now, again, we've seen this happen in 2019. The season turnaround, Iowa had a pretty good season, all things considered, by the end of it. But we can't afford to drop a game against Maryland or Penn State. Now, that all being said, if there were two Big Ten games to drop, it's Maryland and Penn State because we now have the ability – we just can't lose within our own division because we want to have the best record in our division so we can make it to the Big Ten Championship game, and that will still keep a lot of our dreams on the table. But we obviously would like to win both these games. Just want to give a little bit of breath of fresh air there. Now, Spencer Petrus, when you look at his grades, he was the top-graded offensive player in this game, 87.2. I'm sorry, 92.2. He has been 92.2, excuse me. He has done really well to this point, and in this game, a 65.2% completion percentage and adjusting completion percentage of 71.4. And when we talked about wanting more explosive plays, we got it. Four big-time throws. Big-time throws are really well-placed throws or typically big type of throws over 20, over 25 yards. Four big-time throws in this game compared to four for the previous three games, a 16.7% big-time throw percentage. That's what we want to see from this Iowa offense. And I expect against Maryland, we're going to see something very similar. Iowa's going to want to go deep a little bit more. You want some of those explosive plays, especially being on the road against a team that is surprisingly 4-0 to this point and might have a pretty uh, rabid crowd on a Friday night in Maryland. As far as snaps go, what I thought was really interesting was the involvement of Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson and the snap counts of all those guys. The wide receiver group is another area where we haven't quite seen what that rotation looks like. It's starting to figure it out a little bit. Keegan Johnson getting the start technically, but only played 11 snaps. So think about it, 11 snaps, two of those deep balls to Keegan Johnson. I would like to see Keegan Johnson get a little bit more involved. Obviously, Tyrone Tracy Jr. leading the team in snaps from a wide receiver perspective, 44. Charlie at 28. Nico Regani at 23, Arlen got 13, Keegan 11, and Jackson Ritter 4. Jackson Ritter had a nice block on one of his four snaps in the game. Uh, so that's kind of how the, the wide receiver group is breaking out. But, I mean, when Keegan Johnson was on the field, you got to be excited about what he brings to the table, the ability to win deep and corral the ball. I mean, that was his first career college catch, and it goes for a touchdown. You have to like the explosiveness of Keegan Johnson and the speed. I love the versatility of Arlen Bruce. I liked what they did with Charlie Jones, even though he fumbled the ball. I thought that was a really great play. Using Charlie Jones' speed in the open field, getting him those balls and end arounds. I think in this game, we're going to see a few more crossers, a few more shots deep, and also a lot more sideline action with the running game, end arounds. We might see a little wildcat. I think with Arlen Bruce there, it would be fantastic. Tyler Goodson, Arlen Bruce, that gives a little bit more of a dynamic. I do not believe to this point Iowa has opened up their playbook the way we want them to, but I think they're saving it, and I expect them to do that against Maryland, put some more things on tape. I'm excited for that. And for this game, the spread right now is minus 3.5 Iowa, so you can get some money on Iowa, and we're going to be talking all about that on our Friday morning show when we're giving you a breakdown. We might drop it Thursday evening because the game's on Friday. I want to give you some time to listen to that. But if you want to place a bet on Iowa to cover that three-and-a-half spread, go to betonline.ag. They are back, and they are better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. 
head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, y'all, we've covered the offense. Now we're getting into the defense. But before that, I want to thank you again for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. Let's turn our attention now to the defensive side of the football. And just a reminder that on tomorrow's show, when you make that your first listen, we are going to be breaking down Kirk Ferentz's press conference and maybe doing a quarter, a quarterly break or a, a third of the way season breakdown. We're four games in. What does this Iowa team have potential to do? We're going to be doing all that on tomorrow's show. But let's get into it. We talked about the offense. We talked about the offensive line. Let's talk about the defense because I think when you look at the score, you're concerned, right? Iowa allowed 14 points to Colorado State. Are you kidding me? Why are we not calling a quarterback spy in the red zone with a running quarterback? But I think what's important to know here is that this Iowa football team, this defense specifically, was put in two very bad field positions. One by a very bad Tory Taylor punt. And I love Tory Taylor. Tory Taylor is a friend of the show. He's been on the show. Uh, great dude. I bought his punting his winning shirt. But Tory Taylor had his worst punt of his career shanking that thing, putting Colorado State in fantastic field position, that interception as well um, that they returned back. And also a shout out to Tyler Goodson. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, but after the show, LaShawn Daniels wanted me to make sure I noted the fact that Tyler Goodson was hustling on that interception where he knocked down Colorado State, at least giving the defense an opportunity to try to make a play. But whenever you put the defense in that kind of position, backing them up, and especially on short rest, that is not ideal. And they paid for it. But that second half, that defense really tightened up. And overall, I thought the defense played pretty well. They, The Colorado team never made a long drive to the point where Iowa let them score from with you know outside of the 50-yard line. And the grades have to show that as well. Overall, 91.4 defensive grade from the Iowa Hawkeyes, a 94.3 rush defensive grade, and a 90.8 tackling grade, which is significantly higher than we've seen in the past. Now, Colorado State is not a team known for making guys miss. We've seen that from other teams, like Brees Hall. Made some of our linebackers look like they were on skates. But nevertheless, Iowa's tackling did improve in this game, which is a good sight to see as we get into Big Ten play. We cannot afford to let guys get additional yards, especially against a Maryland team with a very shifty quarterback and some very good wide receivers. We cannot afford to let that happen. The top five grades on the defensive side of the football. Jack Campbell, of course, at 90.4. Lucas Van Ness, what a revelation he has been on the defensive line at 89.5. Zach Van Valkenburg, 89.5 as well. Joe Evans, quiet but awesome, 80.7. And Matt Hankins, 78.5. What I thought was most interesting, and we're going to talk about the defensive line here in a second, but what I thought was interesting is coming into this game, I was very curious, how are they going to do the alignment of Dame Belton, Justin Jacobs, and apparently Kayvon Merriweather because we knew they were going to be playing more 12, 13, and 14 personnel. Again, that's one running back, two tight end, one running back, three tight end, one running back, four tight ends, all on the line of scrimmage, which typically means I was going to be reverting back to their 4-3 base defense. What does that mean for Dane Belton, a guy who has traditionally played that cash position, that 4-2-5 defensive back kind of slot linebacker spot? Well, turns out, when we have to go to that heavy formation, that 4-3 base defense, they're moving Dane Belton to strong safety. Kayvon Merriweather isn't getting as many snaps, and we saw Justin Jacobs get a ton of snaps in this game. 
75 snaps to be exact. Dane Belton got 79 snaps, and Kayvon Merriweather only had 10 snaps. Again, as we get into the Maryland game, as we get into some of these more spread attacks, I expect those snap counts to change a bit more. As we've talked about, Justin Jacobs has been coming on in that cash in the in the 425 spot and passing downs to cover for Seth Benson. So really you look at Phil Parker and what he's doing, he's getting his best guys on the field when they need them on the field. So when I was playing that 4-3 defense, it looks like Dane Belton sliding back to that strong safety spot. When I was playing that 425 in early downs, we're seeing Seth Benson, we're seeing Jack Campbell and Dane Belton and Kayvon Merriweather. When I was playing that 425 and obvious passing downs, we're seeing Justin Jacobs come in for Seth Benson and Dane Belton staying in as well. So lots of interesting things to see when you're looking at the alignment. And now getting into the defensive line, the snap counts for that, let's go down in the order. Obviously, Zach from Valkenberg, 63 snaps. He also had four pressures on the day. This defensive line was getting after Todd Sencio for Colorado State, and that was a lot of fun to see. We talked about the defensive line being a weakness coming into this season. I would argue they are no longer a weakness. They have done a phenomenal job through four games, and they are getting more and more pressure on the offense and the quarterback in particular. In the previous weeks, the first two weeks, it was a lot of coverage sacks. But now, the defensive line is starting to really hit home. Zach and Valkenberg leading the way of 63 snaps. John Wagner coming in at 48. Logan Lee at 41. Noah Shannon, 41. Joe Evans, or sorry, Lucas Van Ness, 34. Y.A. Black, 31. Joe Evans at 30. One of the interesting guys I thought was actually Chris Reams, a guy who was struggling with injuries last year, finished with four snaps and had two pressures in those four snaps. So pressure rate-wise, John Wagner, Zach from Valkenberg, they're getting to the, the quarterback pretty pretty quickly. Zach, four pressures. John Wagner, three pressures. Lucas Van Ness, who I thought, is just again, had been a revelation to this point in the season, three pressures as well. And Joe Evans, consistently reliable, getting to the, pre- the quarterback uh, a little bit outside of those tackle spots with three pressures. And then Chris Reams, two pressures. And one of the quick things I want to call out, though, is Jack Campbell in coverage only allowing, or sorry, not allowing a single catch in four targets and having two pass breakups. I know people have been concerned about our linebackers and coverage. I think it's worth noting that Iowa's linebackers are typically playing zone. So there's going to be some holes in that zone occasionally. And wherever that guy, whoever the closest guy is, is getting assigned that catch according to the advanced analytics. But nevertheless, I thought Jack Cable played pretty well. And I thought Justin Jacobs did a pretty good job, all things considered, against a potential first round tight end. This is a reminder, too, uh, before you end the show, if you want to check out another Locked On contest, betting on your team doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast at. And that does do it for our show today. This is a reminder that we want to make you our first listen, right? We want you to listen to Locked On Hawkeyes podcast every single day. It's a free show. Why not? And it's on YouTube. And on tomorrow's show, we're breaking down the Kirk Ferentz press conference that's going to be taking place tomorrow. So lots of fun there. We're also going to be talking about Iowa and where are they at to this point in the season, four games in. What are the expectations from here on out? And what are our predict- predictions based on what we know about these other Big Ten teams? How are they going to finish out the season? We're covering all that on tomorrow's show. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Tuesday, and let's go Hawks.